You're listening to an audio sermon from Trinity Bible Chapel. For more information, please visit our website at trinitybiblechapel.ca. Turn to the book of Daniel, please. We'll start a new series this morning in this book, just to the right of the middle of your Bibles. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel. So if you find Isaiah or Jeremiah, Lamentations or Ezekiel, just turn to the right. Then if you hit the minor prophets, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, turn to the left. And then because it's a small book to find, you can always put a little bookmark in there. And then every Sunday, you'll just be ready to flip over there when we get there in our Lord's Day services. So, but I'll be in this book, God willing, for the next little while. And I'm going to start this series today. I'm going to read um, two verses from Daniel chapter 2 that I think capture the essence of this book. I think these are, there's two verses that really highlight what the book of Daniel is about and what it tells us. It's Daniel chapter 2 verses 21 through 22. So I will read those two verses this morning. Daniel 2, verse 21 reads, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Let's have prayer together. Father in heaven, we bow to you at this time, and we are grateful for your word and what it communicates to us, that you are the one who establishes the seasons, you establish the weather weather patterns, the course of the sun and the moon and the stars. You remove kings and governments. You set up and establish kings and governments. You give wisdom to your people. You reveal that which is hidden. You unearth mysteries. And you are the light of the world. We pray, God, that as we venture into this new book, this new series, rather, that you would strengthen your people for having listened to it and learned of it, that you would strengthen our faith, that you'd save sinners, and that you would anoint the hearing and preaching of your word. We pray that your favor would rest upon this morning's sermon, and that this sermon would be a great blessing and source of nourishment to your people and to the salvation of sinners And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. So we are in the book of Daniel, as I have noted. And last week, we finished a series on the Ten Commandments. I pray that that series, my hope and longing was and is, that that series is and was formative in your life as a Christian. It helped you understand how the world works through the natural law of God, and how you should live in a way that is consistent with nature and reality. That was my hope. And the series that we went through through the Ten Commandments was distinct from the type of preaching that you're accustomed to. The type of preaching that you are accustomed to, and that has been my practice for the most part, of my ministry has been I pick a book of the Bible and I work through it verse by verse. And so that was not the case with the Ten Commandments. I didn't pick a book of the Bible and work through it verse by verse. Rather, I worked through the law of God verse by verse and I tried to make connections with how the law of God The string that's attached to each law attaches itself to so many other parts of the Bible and show you that the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is foundational to so much of God's revelation, our understanding of Scripture, the gospel, and God himself. 
And I will now return to the practice of preaching through an entire book, God willing, verse by verse, as has been my custom, and as you are accustomed to, by preaching through the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. However, today I will provide an overview of Daniel, so I'm not going to exposit a passage of Daniel. I hope to do that next week when we gather, starting in Daniel chapter 1. But today I want to introduce you to Daniel, introduce you to who Daniel is and what he wrote about in the times in which he lived. And then next week, God willing, I'll return to exposit and begin expositing this verse by verse, this book verse by verse. So here's my outline today. I have five headings as I introduce you to this book of Scripture. Five headings. Number one, Daniel the author. So I'll talk about who he is. Number two, Daniel in world history. I'll explain what's going on in the world at the time of Daniel. Number three, Daniel in the Bible. So where does this particular book fit within the canon of Scripture? Number four, Daniel outlined. Where does this book go? What does it talk about? And number five, Daniel for you. How does this apply to you? How will this book apply to you? Daniel the author, Daniel in world history, Daniel in the Bible, Daniel outlined, Daniel for you. It's five headings this morning. Let's start with Daniel the author. Daniel the author. Daniel wrote this book under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. A man named Daniel. The name Daniel means God judges or God is judge. And Daniel claims authorship of the book. So if you look at, I'll flip around a little bit in the book to show this, but if you look at chapter 8, verse 1, it says, In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel. So there he is speaking in the first person. Daniel 8, verse 15, similarly says, When I, Daniel, had seen the vision, I sought to understand it. Again, speaking in the first person, he's claiming that he wrote the book. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by descent Amid, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of the years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah, the prophet must pass before the end of the desolation of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Daniel chapter 10, verse 2, claims that Daniel is the author, speaking in the first person. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. Daniel 12, verse 15, similarly, or 12, verse 5, similarly, he says, Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, two others stood, one on this bank of the stream and one on the other bank of the stream. And then in verse 4 of chapter 12, just before verse 5, in verse 4, Daniel is told to preserve the contents of this book. Look up at verse 4. He's told, but you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. So Daniel claims authorship at multiple points within the book. And in Daniel chapter 12, verse 4, he is instructed to record the contents of the book, to seal up the book, and to preserve the book. Daniel, this is who wrote the book. Now sometimes, as I looked at in chapter 8, 9, 10, and 12, he refers to himself in the first person. Sometimes, namely at the beginning of the book quite often, he refers to himself in the third person for literary effect. But just because he refers to himself in the third person doesn't mean he didn't write it, considering that the first part of the book is connected 
to the second part of the book, and in the second part of the book, he is absolutely clear that he wrote it. He preserved, or he was to preserve its contents. And so Daniel claims to have written the book, and then Daniel is instructed to preserve the book and bind it up and seal it and keep it for future generations. And beyond that, Jesus himself claimed that Daniel wrote the book. So if you look at, well, it should be up on the screen, Matthew chapter 24, verse 15. Jesus said, so when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by the prophet Daniel, Daniel spoke of this, standing in the holy place, let the reader understand. And that's referring to Daniel 9, verse 27, where Daniel talked about the abomination of desolation standing in the holy place. Daniel claims to have written the book by using the first person. Daniel is told to preserve the book in Daniel chapter 12. And Jesus tells us that Daniel wrote the book in Matthew chapter 24. I'm trying to demonstrate to you that it is the consistent testimony of Holy Scripture that the author of the book of Daniel was a man named Daniel. Now, beyond those three points that he claims authorship, he was told to write the book or preserve the book, and Jesus claimed that he wrote the book. There is extra-biblical books, books that aren't in the Bible, written between the Old and New Testaments that attest to Daniel's authorship, and the early church and the early synagogues attest to Daniel's authorship. First century Christians, second century Christians, first and second century Jews attested to Daniel's authorship. There's a lot of evidence pointing to the fact that a man named Daniel wrote the book. Now, why is that important? Why am I, some of you, this may be plainly obvious. Why, why would you even make an issue of this? Why would you try and prove this to us? And the reason that this is so important for me to establish the fact that Daniel wrote the book of Daniel is because it is one of the places of the Bible where theological liberals like to attack. This book and its authorship and the dating of this book has been attacked by theological liberals for about 200 years. They allege that the book of Daniel is a forgery. Somebody wrote it about 100, 200 years before the time of Jesus. They said that the book was being written during the Babylonian times and the times of the Medes and the Persians, which was in about the 5th or, or sorry, the 6th century BC. So they, they're saying that it was a forgery. It was pseudographical literature is the technical term. Me, written by someone who didn't hold the name Daniel, pretending that he was a man by the name of Daniel who lived in the times of the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians, but written in about the second century, whereas the book itself indicates it was written in the sixth century. Liberals, theological liberals, love to attack the dating and authorship of the book of Daniel. Why do they love to attack it? Because Daniel, in the sixth century, long before these historical events take place, prophesies about 500 years into the future and beyond. So he makes accurate predictions about the rise and fall of specific empires five, six hundred years before they take place. And if you even want to think about the Roman Empire, eight, nine hundred years before it takes place. Daniel. He predicted the rise and fall of the Babylonian Empire, which took place in his lifetime. He predicted the rise and fall of the Medo-Persian Empire, which took place a um, few hundred years after his lifetime. He predicted the rise and fall of Alexander the Great, the, the Greco Empire, which took place hundreds of years after his time. And then he predicted the rise and fall of the Roman Empire. And so liberal scholarship, theological liberals love to attack the book of Daniel because they can't fathom that God would give this level of insight in the, to the unfolding of global events, geopolitical events, into a man 500 years before they happened. 
They can't fathom that that would happen, and so they love to attack it. A really good test, actually, if you want to know whether someone has a high or low view of Scripture, is to ask them, and if they've studied Scripture and academically, is to ask them, who wrote the book of Daniel and when it was written? If you ask someone that question, that's a test. If they say, well, it probably wasn't Daniel and it was probably written about the 2nd century B.C., 200 years, 150 years before Christ, then they have a very low view of Scripture. They're saying that Daniel was a forgery and it's not reliable. That's a really good question to ask someone who's a pastoral candidate at a church. That's a good question to ask a teacher who's being interviewed for, say, a position at a classical Christian school. Who wrote the book of Daniel? And when was it written? That's if you're looking for a new church and you want to see what the leadership of the church believes about the Bible. Ask them what they believe about the book of Daniel. When was it written and who wrote it? Wrote it. And if they tell you, well, it was probably written sometime in the 6th century by a man named Daniel, or it was written sometime in the 6th century by a man named Daniel, then they have a high view of Scripture, likely. But then they tell you, well, I don't know if it was Daniel that wrote it, and it was probably written about the 2nd century. They have a low view of Scripture. So there's a good question. It's a real, and you don't have to, you know, reveal your cards when you ask someone this question. You might even pretend that you're a theological liberal if you want to and kind of sneer as you ask the question, when do you think the book of Daniel was written? And just see what the response is. And that response will help tell you what type of a person that person is that you're talking to. It's a good question for a church that you might be looking to become part of. It's a good question for a pastoral candidate. It's a good question for hiring staff at institutions of Christian education. But a man named Daniel wrote the book. And this man named Daniel wrote the book in the 6th century. While we know that a man named Daniel wrote the book, Daniel the author, we know very little about him other than what this book tells us. We know that Daniel, who wrote the book of Daniel, was a handsome, well-educated young man. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 4. Youths, speaking of Daniel and his three friends, youths without blemish, of good appearance, so handsome, and skillful in all wisdom, endowed with knowledge, understanding, learned or learning, and competent to stand in the king's palace and to teach them the literature and language of the Chaldeans. These men knew multiple languages. Daniel did. He was, you could say, courtly, meaning he had manners that would allow him to hobnob in the royal courts. And he was handsome to the point where it says he was handsome without blemish. There were no physical flaws within his appearance. He's the type of guy that the young ladies are looking for, right? He's the type of guy, in fact, that the fathers would like their daughters to marry. These are, this was a godly man who thought clearly, was articulate, and was a handsome young man. And he was probably, at this point in time, given the span of the book, it goes from the time of Nebuchadnezzar to King Cyrus of the Persians. So we're looking at about a 70-year span, I think. Um, given that he, at this point in the book of Daniel early on, he's likely in his mid-teens. He was a young man just entering into manhood. And he distinguished himself in the royal courts of the great heathen empires, godless empires, but great empires. He distinguished himself in the royal courts of the empires of the Babylonians and the empire of the Persians, the Medo 
Persians, the great ancient heathen powerhouse empires. Daniel rose through the ranks of civil government to the point where he became what could be considered the prime minister of the land eventually. And in these courts of these great heathen empires, the Babylonians and the Medo-Persians, Daniel not only distinguished himself as courtly, groomed for the courts, educated, handsome, but he distinguished himself as godly. He was a man who rubbed shoulders with the high and mighty. He hobnobbed with the high and mighty. But he did so in a way in which he was able to remain faithful to the triune God, refusing to compromise to their pagan ways. So he's very impressive. It's one thing to live a life in a godless age without compromising. It's another thing to live a life without compromising within the halls of power in a godless age. And he managed to do so. Edward J. Young, a scholar of the last century, says, although the known facts of Daniel's life are so few, nevertheless he is revealed as a man of stalwart character and priceless convictions. G. Campbell Morgan similarly said of Daniel, we see the great world powers of the time in the light shed on them by the ministry of Daniel, a most remarkable man in every way, a man who, loyal to the God of his fathers, nevertheless rose to positions of prominence in three empires, and who, in the midst of circumstances difficult and dangerous, is were those of a Gentile court at that time remained loyal to Jehovah. Daniel, the author of the book of Daniel. The book was written by Daniel. Daniel was a handsome, well-educated, courtly individual who rose to prominence in the royal courts of the pagan empires of ancient times and did so while remaining faithful to the triune God. He's an impressive guy. I am impressed by Daniel. Daniel, the author. Now, having spoken of Daniel, the author, let us speak of Daniel in world history. I've already touched on a little bit of the historical events at the time of Daniel. But let's talk about it in more detail. Daniel in world history. By this point in world history, Nebuchadnezzar had dominated the global geopolitical scene from his throne in Babylon. Look at Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. It says, In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, is the dominant force in the Mediterranean world, in the ancient Near Eastern world. In 605 BC, Nebuchadnezzar had defeated the Egyptians and he had established himself as the superpower of the ancient Near East to replace the Assyrians. And then about 20 years later, in 587 and 586 B.C., Nebuchadnezzar sacked Jerusalem. And he deported many of the Hebrews to Babylon, Daniel being one of them. And so he established his prominence by destroying Egyptian armies, replacing the dominance of the Assyrians. You remember it was the Assyrians that took the northern part of Israel and then, and then Nebuchadnezzar overthrew the Assyrians, essentially, Assyrian dominance, and Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian, took the southern part of Israel. And so he, he was God's judgment on the Assyrians for their terrible things they did to the northern part of Israel. But he was also God's judgment upon the southern part of Israel 
for their treason against God, Nebuchadnezzar. So in 587 and 586 BC, he sacks Jerusalem and deports many of the Hebrews. And he dies in 562 BC. 539 BC, his son, Belshazzar, falls to the Medo-Persians. And Daniel is living at the time of his life or near the end of his life. He's living under the king of the Persians, King Cyrus. And you see that in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. So we go from Daniel 1, verse 1, from Nebuchadnezzar, king of the Babylonians, to Daniel 10, verse 1, to Cyrus, in the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, to Cyrus, king of the Persians. So he's living through the rise and fall of various empires. The Persians, who replaced the Babylonians, who replaced the Assyrians, remain in power for two centuries until Alexander the Great in 331 B.C., and so Daniel is in a time of political instability in the geopolitical scene. It's, it would be something, wouldn't it, to watch the rise and fall of great empires in your lifetime. And that's what he, he witnessed. Okay? The, he would have certainly witnessed it. And he, he lived just at the beginning of the rise of the Babylonian Empire at the expense of the Assyrian Empire. And then during his lifetime, the Babylonian Empire fell and was replaced by the Medo-Persian Empire, and then he was able to prophesy the rise and fall of the Greeks, and then the rise and fall of the Romans. So Daniel is in a time of political instability across the global scene, at least in the Mediterranean world in the ancient Near East. And this was a time, as I'll talk about in a moment, the captivity of the Jews. The Babylonians had taken the Jews into captivity, and the Babylonian kingdom had risen, and the Persian kingdom rises. And this is all in the 6th century B.C. This is Daniel. He watches the Assyrians fall. He watches the Babylonians rise and fall. He watches the Medo-Persians rise, and then he predicts the fall of the Medo-Persians at the hands of the Greeks, then the Greeks at the hands of the Romans, and then I believe the Romans at the hands of the kingdom of Christ, which will look at as we get into the prophecies of Daniel. That's Daniel in world history. That's Daniel in world history. So I've looked at Daniel the author. I've looked at Daniel in world history. Now let's talk about Daniel in the Bible. Already mentioned it some, but let's talk about Daniel in the Bible. Daniel in the Bible. The times of Daniel, look at chapter 8, verse 19, for example, these times are referred to as the times of indignation. Daniel 8, verse 19, he said, Behold, I will make known to you what shall be at the later or the latter end of the indignation, for it refers to the appointed time of the end, the time of the indignation. What do I mean when I say the time of the indignation? At this time in the history of the nation of Israel, Israel had come under the indignation of God. The wrath of God. The northern kingdom was annihilated by the Assyrians. They were destroyed, never really to return. And the southern kingdom had now been decimated, and most of them had been taken into captivity by the Babylonians under Nebuchadnezzar. The time of indignation, God's judgment had fallen upon this glorious kingdom of Israel, upon his own people, the Jews. So this is way after the time of the Exodus under Moses and the delivering of the law at Mount Sinai, way after that. This is way after the time of the judges. This is way beyond the time of King Solomon and King David, which would have been about you know, 1,100 to 1,000 years before Christ. Way beyond the time of the divided kingdom, when the kingdom divided in 931 B.C., by now, the Assyrians had destroyed the northern kingdom in 722 B.C., and Nebuchadnezzar, through his attacks on Jerusalem, destroyed Jerusalem in between 597 and 586 B.C. So this is about five, 600 years after King David and King Solomon. 
half a millennium. So this would be like us. You know, if we were in the time of Daniel right now, 500 years ago was the time of the Protestant Reformation. And then the Puritan era in England was beginning. So that this strong Puritan movement was taking place. 500 years later, half a millennium later, after the glory days of Solomon, half a millennium later, Israel is taken into captivity. And you know there's some comparison as far as the church goes in the English-speaking world. Under the glory days of the Puritans in England, half a millennium later, here we are. And we live in a society that is undergoing the judgment of God at the present for our own disobedience. 500 years later. 500 years later. And so this is where Daniel is. 500 years, 600 years since King David and King Solomon. And then in um, 538 B.C., the exiles are sent back to Jerusalem, including Daniel. So they, they go back, or sorry, during the time of Daniel. I think Daniel stayed in Medo-Persia. But the exiles were sent back in 538 B.C. And then in 458 B.C., Ezra went back. And then in 445 B.C., Nehemiah went back. And so the time of Daniel is just before the time of Ezra and Nehemiah. Long after King Solomon, long after the glory days, and then just before Ezra and Nehemiah. While Israel is in the time of indignation, experience the wrath of God. There is no political state of Israel. There is no monarchy in Israel. It's been decimated. Everything's been ravished. The people have been taken into captivity. And the northern tribes are gone. They've been done away with for their rebellion. This is Daniel in the Bible. So way before Christ, 500 years, 600 years before Christ. But five, 600 years after the glory days of Solomon. Daniel prophesies the rise and fall of Babylon. Or sorry, the fall of Babylon, which falls in 539. He prophesies the rise and fall of Persia. Persia falls in 500, or rises in 539 and falls in 331. He prophesies the rise and fall of Greece. Greece rises under Alexander the, the Great. And then he predicts the rise and fall of the Roman Empire, which took the Western Mediterranean by about 146 B.C. and Jerusalem in 63 B.C. So these great empires, 500 years, he prophesies, of their rise and fall. Half a millennium of world history and beyond is predicted in the book of Daniel. It's phenomenal if you think about this. Half a millennium and then more. But detailed events of world history predicted by Daniel 500 years in advance to the point of naming the empires that will rise and fall. Daniel is a very unique book in the Bible. We should really understand and read world history in light of what Daniel tells us, actually. Our understanding of the great empires and their rise and fall and how that coincides with the kingdom of God should be in light of Daniel, the book of Daniel. So I, I think... In Daniel, world history is intersecting with the Bible where we are really seeing in a very vivid way the history of the world centering around the cross of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Puts Christ and his kingdom at the center of all historical events, especially the rise and fall of those great pagan empires. It's very important. And it's, it's a unique book in the Bible, all of this being said. Because there's books in the Bible that are classified as historical books. So, for example, the books of First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles and Judges. They, they tell history as it unfolds. Well, Daniel's like that because it tells history. It tells the history to a point of the Babylonians and the Persians and the Jews in captivity. But it's not exclusively a historical book. There's other books in the Bible that are narrative. They talk about the lives of characters. For example, Ezra and Nehemiah. 
They narrate the lives of Ezra and Nehemiah, or even the Gospels, narrating the life of Jesus. And so those are narratives. They're, they're small stories that are pieced together for one big story. Well, in one sense, Daniel is a historical book, like Kings and Judges, but in another sense, Daniel is a narrative, like Ezra and Nehemiah or the Gospel, because it pieces together all these small stories from a man named Daniel. And there's other books in the Bible that are prophetic. Isaiah and Jeremiah, for example, speak to the future. What's going to happen? Prophesying world events. Well, Daniel does that too. Because he prophesies, like I said, the rise and fall of great kingdoms. The Babylonians, the Medo-Persians, the Greeks, the Romans. So he prophesies all of that stuff. So in one sense, he's a historical book because he talks about the Medes and the Persians and the Babylonians through his time. And in another sense, he's a narrative because it's all these little narratives that are pieced together. And then in another sense, he's prophetic because he's prophesying future events. And then there's other portions of Scripture like the Revelation at the end of the Bible that are apocalyptic, that reveal things that are mysterious through numbers and symbols and visions. And Daniel does that too. So it does all of these things. It's capturing all these different types of biblical literature. The historical books like Kings and Chronicles, and then the, the narratives like Ezra and Nehemiah and the Gospels, the prophetic books like Isaiah and Jeremiah and the apocalyptic like Revelation, all of these different types of literature are on display in Daniel. So it's a very unique book because it, it's kind of a wide spectrum, spectrum of biblical literature. So Daniel... Daniel in the Bible. I've tried to place him where he is in the Bible. He's about five, six hundred years after David and Solomon, and he's about five, six hundred years before the time of Christ. He's after the exile. He's before the return from the exile, just before the return from the exile, and just after the exile of Jerusalem. And Daniel is composed of a whole bunch of different types of literature represented in the book of Daniel. Historical, narrative, prophetic, and apocalyptic. Daniel helps us understand world history, and he helps us understand the purposes and unfolding of God's plan in history. Daniel in the Bible. Daniel in the Bible. So what have I talked about this morning so far? I've talked about Daniel the author. I've talked about Daniel in world history. And now I just spoke on Daniel in the Bible. Now let's talk about Daniel outlined. What's this book look like? What's the outline of it? How should we expect it to unfold? Daniel outlined. Where's this going? Where's it starting? Where's it ending? Daniel outlined. Well, there's two big sections in the book of Daniel. Two big sections. One is chapters 1 through 6, and the next is chapters 7 through 12. Chapters 1 through 6 are stories from the royal courts. Chapters 7 through 12 are visions from heaven. Chapters 1 through 6 are stories from the royal courts. Chapters 7 through 12 are visions from heaven. The stories from the royal courts in the first half of the book, in chapters 1 through 6, include stories that you'll be familiar with. Nebuchadnezzar and his image in the fiery furnace. From Daniel and his Shadrach, Mishnach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. That's in the first half, stories from the courts. The writing on the wall. Remember, the, Daniel has the, the, he sees the writing on the wall, and it predicts the end of the Babylonian Empire. Belshazzar is done. His goose is cooked. And then within hours, he's overthrown by the Medo-Persians. The writing on the wall. That's in the first half of the book, stories from the courts, the royal courts. And then Daniel in the lion's den. That's the most famous. Anyone who grew up in church was taught that in Sunday school. Daniel in the lion's den. That's in the first half of the book. Stories from the royal courts. Well, the second half of the book, chapters 7 through 12, is visions from heaven. This is where it gets very mysterious. You have the vision of the four beasts. The vision of the ram and the goat. The vision of the 70 weeks. And the vision of the Son of Man, apocalyptic visions from heaven. 
revealing heavenly realities through the use of symbols, of numbers, of word pictures in chapters 7 through 12. Chapters 1 through 6, stories from the royal courts. Chapters 7 through 12, visions from heaven. This is Daniel outlined. These sections blend together that show a few things to us as we look at Daniel outlined. They show a few things to us. One, at the micro level, they show that God is interacting with the lives of his people on an individual basis. This should encourage you. Because wherever you are right now as a believer, whatever the details of your life are, God is concerned about them. He's interacting with you as an individual Christian, orchestrating the events as they unfold in your life for your own sanctification and for the kingdom of God, for the sake of his kingdom. Micro level. But Daniel doesn't just talk about the micro level. Daniel talks about the macro level, the kingdoms of the earth. So as you're managing your own little life and you're trying to pay your bills and you're trying to succeed at work and you're trying to raise your family, that's the micro level. All of these massive geopolitical events are unfolding around you that you hear on the news. There's wars, there's rumors of wars, there's governments being overthrown, governments being replaced, there's elections, there's allegations of election fraud, there's uncertainty about the future, geopolitical macro level, things that cause you anxiety. Well, well Daniel deals with all of those and how they're affecting your our sanctification for the good, and how they are all serving the purposes of God so that his kingdom will ultimately triumph. It's an encouraging book, because at the micro level, God is working, and at the macro level, God is working, all for the advancement of his kingdom. At the micro level, the little level, you and your bills and your mortgage, and your children, and your family, and their education, and all those things that you carry on your shoulders day by day, God is concerned about these things, and he is using them for the advancement of his kingdom. And then at the macro level, all of these nations, and these wars, and these elections, and these rulers going down, and there's rulers rising up, and people exalting themselves, and posturing, all of this is also part of God's plan. For what? The advancement of his kingdom. Daniel outlined, Daniel outlined, it's all about the advancement of God's kingdom at every level of life where you find yourself. So what have I talked about this morning? Well, I've talked about Daniel. I've talked about, I've spoken on Daniel the author, Daniel in world history, Daniel in the Bible, Daniel outlined, and now finally I get to this last point, Daniel for you. How does this affect you? Well, I've already touched on this some, but let's, let's wrap this up and talk about Daniel for you personally. Daniel for you. In this book, Daniel, Israel is in exile. Judah, the southern kingdom, is in exile. But yet, the fact that they've been eclipsed and buried by the kingdoms of this world, that should be discouraging for the people of God, don't you think? Here they are buried by the powerhouse evil kingdoms of this world, the kingdom of Jerusalem, the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom of God. And yet the book of Daniel offers hope for the kingdom of God as it looks like it's been conquered by the kingdoms of this world. That should encourage you. How many of you look at this world and you see how gutted it is spiritually? How much decay and rot and degeneracy is in this world? How the people who are in high places are wicked and promote evil and use your tax dollars to propagate the kingdom of Satan. And you look back and you say, will God's kingdom be extinguished? And the book of Daniel declares boldly, no, God's kingdom will triumph and this is just a blip on the screen. There's all kinds of things going on that you don't see. Beyond that, Daniel himself is among the heathen powers. He's an individual. And so where do you live today? Well, many of you are in jobs, neighborhoods, amongst people who are pagans. 
And they try to influence you and they try to influence your family. They try to corrupt you with their evil ways. Sow seeds of rebellion into your children's hearts. And you say, will I win? Can I triumph over this? And then we find in the man of Daniel, the person of Daniel, a man who does triumph over it. Who does stand within the heathen courts in a dark time. And does maintain faith in God. And does shine the light of God in the dark halls of power. And so the answer is, if Daniel can do it, so can you. It's going to be okay. As you walk with the Lord day by day. Just as it was okay with Daniel. And then in Daniel, you have these evil empires dominating the global scene, vying for power, declaring to us that while they vie for power, God's kingdom will triumph over the earth. And then you have the rulers of the earth in these evil kingdoms seeking their own honor, and you have God essentially telling them that unless they humble themselves and be part of his kingdom, they will be cast against the rocks. It might not happen in an hour, some cases it does with the writing on the wall, literally in hours. But look, you look at the evil empires of our day, you look at our evil government, you look at those people in high places who are using money and power to propagate evil, and you look at them and you say, this is terrible, they're gutting the world. But you need to understand, like God has a calendar, and there's a date and a time circled on that calendar where it will be no more. And, and that's it. If they don't repent, he pushes the button, and it's done. His word goes out, and it's finished. This is the book of Daniel. The days of the evil rulers are numbered. And so as you look at the book of Daniel, and you realize the world appears to be deteriorating, but God is on the move to establish his kingdom over the face of the earth. The kingdom of Christ... Despite what you read about on social media, the kingdom of Christ is in the process right now of overthrowing the dominion of darkness and triumphing over the face of the earth. Despite what you see on social media, or if you actually do watch the mainstream media, if you do, I don't know why, but if you do, despite what you see, the kingdom of God is at work and is going to be triumphant over the face of the earth, as Daniel indicates. In Daniel's day, the world looked like it was winning, but Daniel gave a message to God's people who were living under the shadow of evil empires vying for power. Daniel gave a message when it looked like the world was winning. He gave the message, no, 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 no. The kingdom of Jesus Christ will win, and it will triumph. And that's a message that you need to hear. That's a message for you. James Montgomery Boyce on the book of Daniel said, I do not know of any message that is so timely and valuable for Christians living in our own secular and materialistic times as that message is. He, he preached at a church in Philadelphia for many years, and he said that this is the only book in the Bible that he ever preached twice to his congregation because he thought it was such an important book. Edward J. Young said, In his sovereign providence, God placed Daniel at the heathen court in order that he might declare to successive monarchs that the kingdoms of this world are temporal and fleeting, but the kingdom of God shall endure forever. It's a very important book, especially in our day, especially today. And that's why I want to preach this book, because I think it will encourage you. I think you need to be encouraged in these dark days in which you find yourselves. The world is dark, but God is working. The world looks like it's winning, but God is about to triumph. And so that's why I read Daniel chapter 2, verse 21 through 22, which I think captures the essence of this book. And it says, He changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells in him. The kingdoms of Assyria, 
Babylon, Greece, Persia, and Rome rose and fall all according to God's calendar. And they all converge at one point. They all rose and they all fell to providentially serve and usher in the kingdom of our Christ. His kingdom advances. It's like these kingdoms of these world, the world is, is a tsunami coming on over us. It's, it's coming, they're coming to drown us out. That's what they look like. But really, they are the wave that Christ is rising or, or riding to take over the world. The kingdoms of this world look like a tsunami about to kill us and strangle us and suffocate us. But in reality, they are the waves that our Lord Jesus is rising to usher in his great kingdom on earth when all things will be set right and men will finally operate with goodness as it is written on their hearts by the law of God. They all converge providentially on this one point, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, which advances and lasts forever. So that should give you heart. It should hearten you in these dark times. Our godless secular empire, with all the moral corruption and filth that it propagates, will fall. It will come down. And in its place, the kingdom of Christ will rise. So why would you serve the systems and empires of this world? which are coming down and are about to be reduced to rubble. When you can serve the kingdom of Christ, which at this present moment is working to overthrow the kingdoms of darkness and rise in their places and then triumphantly reign over the earth forever. Let's have prayer together. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word and the hope that it gives us in these dark and evil times in which we live. And we pray that the preaching of your word and the hope of your kingdom of our Lord Jesus will bring great encouragement to all hearts and to all who are listening. We pray that you would strengthen us, you would give us joy in our hearts as we watch the times corrupt, but as we are confident that in the shadows behind the scenes, you are working to advance your cause so that Christ will be supreme and that his water will cover the earth, or his law will cover the earth as the water covers the sea. And it's in his name that we pray. Amen.